Welcome back to Between the Before and After, a podcast about the stories that shape us. I'm your host, Coach John McLernan. In each episode, I bring you an inspiring guest with a moving story that shines a light on the power of the human spirit. I'm excited to share this story with you, so let's dive in. All right, welcome back to Between the Before and After. And uh, we're talking to someone who showed up a little bit later in life. Um, I, I, I wanted to get like the first pun in as quickly as I could. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Chatting with Jeff later here today. And we're going to explore Jeff's story and how how he's become well, become the man he's become, the IFBB pro bodybuilder, the misconceptions go with us, all kinds of fun stuff to explore inside your life story. Uh, so Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah. So before we dive in, though, I just wanted you to let know where, where are you at now and kind of what are you up to? And then we're going to explore how you got there. Well, um, so I live in uh, Salt Lake City. I'm here with my wife and three kids and a dog. And uh, we own a coaching company called Later Lifestyle. Yeah. And we've been doing that for, we actually had our 10-year anniversary that we celebrated this year. And, Amazing. Uh, yeah, it's been a good run. We have a great team around us. We have about uh, 17 people on the team at this point. Yeah. Uh, about 450 active clients and uh amazing yeah we love what we do um but yeah as you said i i was a bodybuilder i, I retired about four years ago um i yep. had my pro card and and call it quits at that point okay how about that yeah <laughs> yeah um, so that's kind of where i'm at right now there's a lot more nuance yeah, and detail in there but of yeah. course of course you know because so people will see that and, and they'll even see like hey you're running a successful business you know you got, you got a team of 17 and and whatnot you're coaching a lot of people at any given time you know, but it's, it's a lot of work to get to that place. So a lot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, uh, so I, I guess what comes to mind for me, um, like, did you, did you grow up in Utah or is it a place you, you, um, I, I did, I did grow up here, but I I've lived in a few different places, lived in Kentucky for a little while, lived in Mexico for a little while and a few different parts here and you know, within the state, uh, but yeah. mostly here. Uh, where, where did you live in Mexico? I lived in Puebla. I was there for about nine months. Uh, yeah, just that south, I think southeast of Mexico City is that right? Yeah, it's kind of in the mountains, really high elevation, actually. Yeah, yeah, uh, cool area. So, yeah, we lived in my wife and I lived in Guadalajara for uh, a period oh, okay. of time as well. So, uh, a little more um, uh, a little further little, west. Yeah, just it's about four hours inland from Puerto Vallarta, actually, and again, mm-hmm. quite high up. Uh, yeah. be- beautiful climate, you know. Uh, it was yeah. like. 25 celsius like year round which would be like 80 kind of like 80 degrees year round give or take yeah it's a little bit cooler in puebla i think it would it would get down to it would be in the 70s but it would never yeah. get really really cold uh-uh. yeah yeah that, that's fantastic yeah um were, were you uh single when you when you're down there or did, was it you and your wife i was yeah. yeah it was it was a job i took out of college and um yeah, struggled my way through there but actually that's one thing that really kind of reignited my fitness journey okay. because i had nothing else to do Okay. Um, and it's actually, this is actually a story I've never told, but, um, but yeah, I, I joined a gym down there called sports city and anybody that's familiar with the gyms in Mexico, this place was actually probably the nicest gym I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, which didn't really make sense considering the economy and, and how yeah. most, uh, uh, the separation between lower and upper class there. Yeah. Uh, there's really no middle class, but, but yeah, it was about 200 bucks a month American. I mean, it was, wow. expensive. it might've been actually yeah. been like 225 and, uh, great gym. But that kind of reignited me because that's all I had to do with my spare time. I didn't know anybody and right, uh, yeah. worked and went to the gym. Yeah. So how did you, and how old were you when you, you ended up down there? I was about 24, I believe, okay. 24, 25. Yeah. Yeah. So you, I assume you'd done some university studies at that point? Yeah. I had graduated, um, graduated with a degree in marketing and finance. 
Okay. Marketing and finance. And then, and yeah. then you, uh, get a job. Was it teaching at like a college down there or? No, I was, uh, I was actually working for this, this gift supply company and, uh, I was a friend of a friend. They hired me on, sent me down there and struggled my way. We worked with Walmart and another, uh, chain of stores down there. So I traveled okay. throughout the, the country going from store to store. Um, cause I speak Spanish and, yeah. and so I can kind of help them get the product set up and make sure it was successful. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then in your spare time, you decided I'm just going to hit the gym. So where, had you been into bodybuilding at that point? Yeah. Yeah. My story starts way before that. I mean, I, I really have my mom to thank, uh, at a, yep. at a young age. She, uh, she was, you know, I, I was an eighties kid, grew, well, born in 78, yep. but, uh, grew up yep. in the eighties and my mom was into aerobics and okay. ran five K's and 10 K's on the weekends. And yep. I was always there at daycare. And, and for some reason, I think a lot of maybe kids would maybe not like it, but I couldn't wait until I was allowed yep. to Get, get into the weight room. So I was okay. in there at the age of 12 and developed a passion for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's kind of unusual. Cause I, probably back then there would have been the, the thought that like weightlifting at, at that age, like stunts your growth or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Growth plates were, were going to be blunted and I wasn't going to grow any tall. Maybe that's why I'm five, nine. I don't know. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the perfect height for a bodybuilder though. I think. Yeah, yeah it is. It's good. That, that, that range of like five, five, seven to five, nine, um, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm sexual with, with like monkey arms, like uh, good <laughs> yeah. luck being a bodybuilder. <laughs> it's harder. You have a bigger frame more for, more to fill out. So you don't see yeah. too many tall bodybuilders. No. And so, yeah, I, I never, I never got into the sport. I, I did have a, a business partnership with, uh, someone who was, who was a natural bodybuilder, but yeah, he's about five inches shorter than I was. And so, mm, yeah, yeah. Him, him at, uh, you know, 160 pounds and me at 160 pounds looked very, very different. <laughs> so it's very, very, yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're 12 years old. You start hitting the weight room. Did you have any idea you were doing? Was there anyone that was giving you some guidance or direction or? No, I'm surprised they don't, I didn't lose a toe, you know, lifting some of those heavy plates. Cause I remember this particular gym and I don't know why I remember this, but they had hundred pound plates in there. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. And I remember trying to move some of them around, but I was, I was a sprinter. I was, I was pretty fast when I was a kid. And so yeah. I mostly focused on legs. I just wanted okay. to, to make my legs stronger so that I could be more successful on the on the, at the track meets, but that's what I focused on. But I, I still worked my upper body, had the magazines, yeah, yeah. flex magazine, muscular development. Right, right. Yeah. 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 Back then before we realized that magazines were basically just like supplement ads with a couple of stories thrown in. Pretty there. much. Yeah. <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then and you kind of learn that like, okay, it's probably more than just, uh, more than just like this powder over here, that this, this individual using that individual is using, um, in the industry. But, um, I think, I think South of like in Canada, things are a little more open, Whereas, uh, I think South, South of the border, um, the bodybuilders can't be quite as open about, uh, about what they do to develop their physique. So, <laughs> well, it depends on who you, who you're talking to, I suppose, but fair, fair enough. Yeah. I remember reading like what these guys would, how they would train and what they would eat. And I actually never considered it a possibility for me. Cause I was, I was never a big kid. Uh, yeah. I was always kind of smaller and about 150 pounds in, in high school. And so I was pretty average. Um, yeah. I was, I was athletic, but I wasn't muscular by any means. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that what, what prompted the idea that, you know, maybe I, I should take up bodybuilding? Um, well, it was kind of one of those things that, that, uh, was always out there as something that I wanted to do, but again, I just had self doubt. Just think I ever, I never could do it. And so I actually never even got on a bodybuilding stage until the age of 30. Okay. Um, and I'm 40, 44 now. Yeah, um, yeah. and so I, and it wasn't until I went through a divorce and, kind of lost myself and my outlet was the gym. And that's where 
I met my now wife and mm-hmm. she kind of encouraged me to take that leap. And, and I did never looked back. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and there's, there's an interesting story, um, even in and of itself. So, um, your first wife, I don't, I'm not sure what, what the terms are, <laughs> how, how comfortable you are chatting about it, but like, um, I'm fine. How, how'd you bump into each other and, and how'd that start? Uh, my first wife, she actually, uh, she worked in the office of the apartment complex that I, uh, moved into. Okay. And, and I ordered a bunch of packages all the time. And yeah. so they, they would get sent to the office. So I'd have a reason to go in there. That's how, <laughs> that's how much or how, how, how little confidence I had to just approach her. I had to have an excuse. That's funny. That's funny. But uh, over time, eventually like a relationship kind of got, got, uh, forged there and, yeah. um, yeah. And then sort of with your background in marketing and finance, uh, now you, you would have been back from Mexico at this point in time, I'm guessing. Um, yes. Yep. I was back at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, this back in Salt Lake city or. Yep. Uh, in a suburb of Salt Lake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so, but you were, you were bodybuilding, you were developing your physique, but you didn't have the confidence to, to approach and have a conversation. Yeah. You know, this is it's another, uh, cause I, I've told this story a bunch of different times, but I haven't gotten into this aspect with my first wife, but, and she may have had a hand in it, whether she knows it or not, but, um, she was, so I'm five, nine, she was about five, yeah. seven. And yeah. so when she had heels on, she was uh, a little bit taller than me. Yeah. And, and so I, and I, this kind of bugged me. I don't know. I mean, I was, didn't have the confidence. And so I was, you know, I was yeah. felt small. And I, I remember one day she did call me shorty. Um, this was towards the decline of our, our right, marriage. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I wasn't very big at the time. I was probably 170, 175 pounds. And, uh, and she had actually competed before I met her. Oh, and is it like a, like a physique or bodybuilding competitor in, or something? In figure. Yeah. Figure, she, had, yeah. she had competed in the figure competition and, you know, the gym was something that she enjoyed. And so that was kind of a common, uh, ground. Cause I had, you know, right. very much into, um, lifting at that point, but I didn't, yeah. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm a small guy. I can't get on bodybuilding. So all there was was bodybuilding. There's a bunch of other divisions now, but there was just bodybuilding back then. Yeah. Yeah. But I think she kind of probably added fuel to the fire that, you know, they say it's kind of a short man or a small man's sport. You know, you have that small yeah, man yeah. syndrome and so you want to try and make up for it and you yeah, get yeah. taller. So you can get bigger. You get bigger, bigger, uh, kind of in other ways there. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's interesting. So yeah, you had that sort of, that sort of common ground and then, uh, obviously the relationship kind of goes on the, on the decline there. Um, and you said you, you kind of lost yourself a little bit, uh, that there's yeah. probably a lot captured in that term or, or in, that, in that little short phrase there. Uh, when you say you lost yourself, what, what, what was happening? Well, um, you know, I, at least here in Utah and in, in the state of Utah, most people get married pretty young. Um, and I was 27 when I got married and, mm. And then when it didn't work out, I was, you know, I was 29 when we got divorced and I was a very short, short marriage and I just felt like I had wasted time. And, okay. and so, uh, I was, you know, here I am almost 30 single, where am I going with my life? You know, I had a decent job. I did I had a good yeah. job. Um, yeah. but I wasn't happy at all. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it was, uh, that was kind of the, the state that I was in when I met my, my now wife. Right. Okay. Interesting. So you're, you're in this kind of like not, not great place to be. Um, how did you, oh. how did you meet your, your current wife? What's her name? Her name is Jen or Jenny. Jen. Jenny. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I actually took a new job and, uh, three days later, that's when my wife and I separated and, uh, this particular company that I worked for paid for a gym membership that was okay. almost, almost right next door. Oh, and this was a, actually had a lifetime fitness. It was a pretty nice gym. And, uh, 
I, I remember walking in there and I think she was probably the first person I saw because she worked there. She worked at the gym. Okay. But I was in such a weird state of mind that I did. I barely looked up. I didn't even look at her, didn't notice her, didn't notice anybody. I'm just like, I just need to get, I just need to sign up. What do I need to do? Like, oh, let's take you on a tour. I'm like, I don't need a tour. I just need a, I just need a membership. Just, just let me Yeah, in. yeah. And uh, so we kind of went through that. And I this and I just went there for probably a month, two months before I even started, like before I even lifted my eyes up, I swear. I, mean, I was just in there getting the work done and getting out. Yeah. And she was, she got a lot of attention. She did. She's a very attractive woman and got yeah. a lot of attention and I gave her none. Yeah. And, um, Apparently that works because <laughs> um, she, it, there's gotta be like a curiosity or an intrigue factor. They're like, what, yeah, what, what's going on with this guy here? Like he's not, he's not even trying, not even, not even interested. Yeah. You know? It's like, I don't see a wedding ring. Like what, why is he not, you know, I don't understand. Just comes like, I'm here. trying to flirt with him and I get nothing. Yeah. So, you know, and in that time, like when you go, when you go home, like uh, at night and whatnot, like how, how do you pass the time? Was this like, are we, they're talking pre-internet days here or not quite, I guess. No, no? this was uh I want to say 2006, 2000, no, 2008. Okay. No, so 2008. Facebook was a thing and, and uh-huh. that was the year I actually got onto Facebook, 2008. I was yeah, like, I, right. I, I was a holdout. I was like, I'm not getting this stupid thing that people are doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was 2008. And, uh, you know, she actually, and I say this to this day, the only reason why we're together is because of her. Mm. Cause I never would have dared approach her, but she ended yep. up kind of pursuing me. And I think it just because yeah. of how, how I kind of ignored her at first, not intentionally. I just wasn't in that headspace. Um, yeah. And so she kind of pursued me and, and made it happen. And honestly, we've been inseparable ever since. How, how did she, uh, so how did she open that up? Um, I don't know. I think we ended up talking to each other at some point um, in the gym while she was working out. So she wasn't yeah. working, but she was in there working out and kind of bumped into each other, had a conversation. And honestly, it was a, it was pretty instant. Um, yeah. the feeling that both of us had and it was, uh, and it progressed fairly quickly from there. It was like, Oh, like when, when the shell cracked, there's like a really great human being underneath this sort of sullen exterior. Yeah. yeah he's not an asshole. He's, <laughs> you can talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Do you, do you remember what it was that you talked about? No, I just remember the feeling and I think yeah. she would say the same. Yeah. So, so where, where did it, uh, where did it progress from there? Like, you're like, okay, I got to take this girl on a date or, uh, so I, I still felt weird about dating, I guess, because okay. I was in such a weird place. Um, so I think we, we you know, we, we talked a few different times in the gym and, and then eventually we did, um, get together outside of the gym yeah. and, and had a more of a social outing, but it wasn't, uh, it took me a while to, to kind of get there. Cause I was in such a weird headspace. That's funny. Yeah. The gym's like a quote unquote, like safe space for these sorts of things. Cause it's like, Oh, well time to get to my next set or whatever, you know, yeah. like there's always, always like a, a sort of natural out of things kind of got weird or awkward. Well, and there's kind of a, a little bit of a, you know, stereotypical, like, you know, some guys just go to the gym to pick up on girls and girls hate that for the most part. Right. I, yeah, yeah. I never sure. wanted to be one of those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why I kind of took her pursuing me in order for that to make, yeah. to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's awesome. Um, and then, so, so then you decide, okay, like this, this is something, um, and which, uh, you know, there's kind of a side question here, a little sidetrack here. I'm just, I'm just curious, you know, so, cause you had a, a, just want a job in, in marketing and finance still, is that right? Uh, at this point actually it was a job in it. I never went IT. into marketing or finance. I was a project manager. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So in, in uh, it. Okay. And so this, uh, you probably didn't look like the typical sort of stereotypical it professional. 
No, but I was also wasn't like in, very muscular either. I mean, okay, I, I, I was fit, but yeah. um, not to the point where everyone was like, "What the hell is up with this guy?" You know, why is why is why does he look like that? I never got questions like that. I just looked pretty normal. Okay, fair enough. So you still hadn't really started to grow and develop like as seriously as a bodybuilder at that point. No, you put normal clothes on me, and I don't look like a bodybuilder. Huh? Right. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, yeah, so she was she wasn't drawn to you for your uh, you know large imposing physical musculature at that point. No, I mean 175 pounds. I mean I walk around yeah, yeah. around 230, 235 right now, and right, I'm, right, yeah. I'm four years removed from the stage, so I used to be bigger. Yeah, but um, yeah. but yeah, I was much smaller back then. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And and so you guys hit it off, and you go, okay, th- this is it. This is the one for me. You know, and yeah. Yeah. Although I, there, I mean, there's a lot of, there's, there's more detail to that, but we broke up four or five times. It was me every time, um, while we were dating. Um, I just, I just had a hard time. I, she had kids and that was something I struggled with. And then, right, okay. um, and then she, she lost her ability to, to have kids with her last kid. And that was something I struggled with too, cause I didn't have any kids of my own. Right. So I had yeah. to be willing to kind of give that up in order to be with her. And it took, it took a while, but we dated for three or four years and then we finally got married yeah. in uh, 2011. Awesome. Yeah. So, so there, there's kind of a lot, a lot to process there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're with her. She's got, uh, so all three kids are, you're their stepfather. Is that correct? Or yeah. 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 And she was actually, when I, when I met her, she was preparing for her first competition. She was competing as a figure competitor. And mm-hmm. um, I remember telling her and she likes to remind me all the time and likes to tell this story that I told her to stop. And I did, I told her to stop, stop preparing. It seems like she was miserable and, and, you know, she was just hungry all the time and kind of getting ornery. And I'm just like, why are you doing this? You, you should stop. And uh, she didn't, she went through yeah. with it and, uh, and then convinced me to go through with it. And, we both, she went on to do about 20 shows. I went on to do about 40 and, yeah, and yeah. finally turned pro. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you're, when you're sort of like breaking up with her and, and sort of getting back together, you know, what is it that like made you go, no, I can't do this. And what is it that eventually pulled you back to her? Well, even though we broke up, we never went a day without talking to each other. I mean, it, 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 there was never a true break. Uh, right. You're like, okay, we're, we're not together, but we can't stop talking to each other. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. So you, you were, it was kind of like, I guess you, you were, you were trying to avoid or, or trying to maybe come to terms with a, with a certain reality. Yeah. I, I mean, I struggled with it. I did. Um, cause you know, you have a, this vision of how you, you picture your life going and, and this was different than I had imagined. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, there was some, there was some friction there for me and it, it took me a while to, to come to terms with that. Yeah. What, what eventually, uh, helped you to kind of, kind of make peace with that and go, okay, you know what? I accept this is going to be my lot. She's worth it. Simple yeah. as that. And I, you know, I, I love our girls. Um, yeah. But you know, we were just too perfect for each other, and uh, <laughs> yeah. that's that's all that mattered. That, that's which I absolutely love that. You know, um, because I don't think everybody maybe gets to experience that in a relationship where it's like no. you're what what you maybe say soulmates. You know. Yeah. Like you're you're absolutely meant for each other, and probably there isn't really you can't really say like this is the thing it's like this sort of intangible combination of elements. It's like you put them together and, and there's a reaction. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, like I said, I, I don't remember what was even said with that first conversation. Uh, but I remember how I felt and I think she does too. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's, I mean, I can totally picture it, but his words didn't really even matter. Like when we were talking and it's, hmm. you know, that connection has been there since that moment. 
and you know, we're not without our problems. We, you know, we're a normal couple, but yeah, yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's, yeah, we are definitely meant for each other. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it like it wouldn't be a relationship because, because here's the thing, you're not the same two people when, uh, you know, from when you first met, <laughs> you've grown and you've evolved and you, you know, and you do that like alongside each other. And so it's inevitable when you go through this process of growth, that there's going to be some friction, some butting of heads as you try to figure out this new version of normal. Yeah. And honestly, like I, anybody that knew me before her and if they ran into me now, um, I, I mean, not only physically do I look different, but I, I'm a different person. Like I, I'm, yeah. I was very introverted, very reserved, closed off, non-confrontational before. And, um, and, and bodybuilding helped me with this a little bit too, but it was yeah. definitely mostly her, but I'm, I'm way, I'm pretty extroverted now. I can yeah, talk to yeah. anybody anywhere. I can get on stage in front of thousands and, and yeah. really not have any fear whatsoever. Which is, which is absolutely brilliant. You know, um, and, and at what point did you decide to, okay, I'm going to take, you know, bodybuilding more seriously, not just because was your first competition like bodybuilding or was it in a different category? That, uh, bodybuilding. That's all there was, it was when I started. Okay. Yeah. So there, there wasn't like the, the physique or the uh, beach body or the, um, nope. uh, okay. No, just the little thong underwear speedo that, that yeah. it's, that's probably what kept me away from the stage for, for so many years. Cause I was like, there's no way I can get into one of those things. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the yeah. time, the time, by the time it came to the show, I didn't even worry about that. Cause that was just what you wear. Everyone's wearing that. Right. So. Yeah. What, what was your first competition weight? 176 pounds. Okay. Yeah. That's how much I weighed. And, and at the time that you got your pro card, what was your competition weight? Um, I was particularly depleted when I won, but I was about 221 on stage. Okay. Uh, the heaviest I've ever been on stage is about 237. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I was about, about a little over two, 220 pounds. Yeah. So there's like another 50 pounds of, of mass added to your frame. Yeah. It took me a, a decade to get there. But, um, yeah, or uh, honestly longer than that, because I'd been building before I started competing, but yeah, yeah, 10 years of competing from, from those two stage weights. Yeah. And, and to, to do this is like, you gotta be super dedicated. So here you got a family like, cause, cause bodybuilding goes beyond just like casual weightlifting. There's a lot of planning and dedication discipline that goes into this. Like, yeah. It takes over then, your life. Right. Cause you're also like trying to run a family, you know, run a family as well, or be a part of a family and, and whatnot. And, and where, where in this did you decide that, Hey, let's like start a company or coaching people. Yeah. So the way that happened, it was about as organic as it gets because, um, you know, I've, I had an interest in fitness from a, you know, from a young age, but it was never, I never perceived it as being a real career. It's not something you do as an adult. It's not something you can do to provide for your family. Um, so what you do is, I mean, you do what everyone else expects you to do. You get a job in the corporate world, climb a corporate ladder, have your 401k retire, die. Right. And, and that's kind of how I envisioned my life. That's how I thought it was yeah. going to go. So I got my degree in finance and, and, uh, marketing and, uh, never really used either one of them. It was so long ago that most of those things are irrelevant, uh, right, on the marketing yeah. side. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I started helping people and I was always kind of that resource and I, I worked part-time as a, a personal trainer at a gym. I would yeah. go there in the mornings, yeah. um, before work. And, uh, I kind of used it honestly for the free gym membership. Cause I didn't make a ton of money and right. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of extra income to help people. And I just, you know, kind of kept that fire alive, uh, studied and studied and studied, but mostly just for my own knowledge. I loved yeah. it. And, yeah. um, I was just pursuing my own fitness mostly, but I would, I was kind of that resource for friends and family. And so I, I don't know, I trained probably over a hundred people for free, uh, before I charged anyone a dime. 
And uh, I remember the first person I, I would call my client who I, he didn't pay me, but he, he compensated me by buying me body fat calipers that okay. I could use to test him. Like this, right, this okay. is literally how it went. Like, yeah, he's like yeah, can, yeah. can you help me get ready for a competition? And I was like, well, I'm not a coach. I no, I can't do that. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, well, you've done it. And at this point I had competed probably seven or eight times. And I'm like, well, I, I I'll do my best. He's like, cause I'm not going to go to anywhere, anyone else. I just want you to help me. And I'm like, okay, well, if you get me some calipers, then I can, cause I thought that was the key to. Right, right, you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. Without that, I can't help you, but which is totally not true, but at the time that's what it was. So got those calipers and, uh, turned out he, he did pretty well and he won his competition. Okay. It was actually the very first year they introduced men's physique. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, and I had coached a bunch of people before this, but this was kind of like my official first client, I suppose. Yeah. And he won his class, very talkative guy, spread the word to a lot of different people, whether I wanted him to or not. Cause I still had my full-time job. Right. And I started getting inquiries from all these different people and it started getting a little out of hand and I'm like, okay, we should probably start charging for this, which felt, I felt so guilty for. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, asking for money for something that I considered to be common knowledge was, it was like the hardest thing for me. And it, I, I just like, I was cringe. I was cringing myself and I was like, so that's going to be like a hundred bucks. Like, I don't know. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It barely asked for it. And, um, I'd rather text it to you rather than, you know, say it to your face. I don't even know if we had text back then, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it, I, I have no problem with it now, but I had that total imposter syndrome when I started. But um, but yeah, it's kind of where it started and took off. Yeah, and it, but it's interesting that you just mentioned like common knowledge or, or something, but it, it's like, it's not actually common knowledge. You have an yeah. expertise that's been acquired over years and years and years um, that isn't so common. And and there's some, there's a difference between like finding a workout on the internet and having somebody like get to know you, your your frame, your physique, your preferences, your lifestyle, and your challenges, and go okay, we need to tailor your training to your specific circumstances. Like there's a real art that accompanies the science of coaching. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. It, and it's, it's more than just like uh, you know when you say the art, almost the art of coaching, which is something like I know you're gonna like this, but. You know, I always say that there's, you, you could find some software, you could Google a meal plan, you could Google workouts, you can find almost anything out there regarding yeah. nutrition and fitness for free. Yeah. But the human element, the coaching element that understands the person, what's going on with their life to, to tailor it and personalize it for that person, you're not going to find that in a software. Yeah. And, and to help people get out of their own way and, and, and remove those limitations they put upon themselves. And that, that, that takes coaching and that's the art of coaching. And it's not just mm. being an expertise in what I thought before was common knowledge. That definitely does help. You need to have that, but you need also the the coaching element in order to help people um, make a permanent change. Yeah. So, so you start charging people and you go, okay, uh, this is turning into a kind of uh, an actual business. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and and what, what year was it when you, when you made the decision, okay, maybe I need to step away from my job or did you, did you sort of build them up simultaneously? Is <sighs> That decision was made for me. So uh, we officially incorporated in 2012. Yeah. Uh, so 10 years ago. Um, and I was laid off in 2014. Okay. So we carried on and I, I mean, I was working, you know, eight to five and then from five thirty to about eight Every night, week, every weeknight, we met with people in person because that's how we started. We started meeting yeah. with people in person and then all day Friday and, or Saturday and Sunday. So, I mean, this yeah. was, we were working 100 hours a week, I mean, nonstop. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and then I was, the, the company was declining and ended up going bankrupt a few months after I left, but um, I got laid off. Yeah. And uh, 
I, I was totally caught me off guard because I knew the company wasn't doing well, but I was the only one doing what I was doing at the time. And the last few years at this company, I was actually developing dietary supplements. Interesting. I wasn't doing yeah. IT management anymore. Yeah. Okay. Um, because, you know, and it's funny because I, you know, I work with a lot of people that have corporate jobs and, and, uh, competitors, for example, which I don't think you always need to be this way, but like I would bring my food into these big board meetings, these big, right. Yeah. Big, yeah. Big meetings with lots of people in there and I'm eating their, I eat my chicken and rice out of Tupperware. Yeah. And people tell me like, Oh, I can't do that. I'm like, well, I did it. I did it all the time. And it actually really paid off because at first I would get some looks and then it just kind of became accepted. Like, Oh, that's Jeff with his food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and they, they saw my progression and they, they I won like the Mr. California back in uh, 2013 for the first time. And, and they, they caught wind of that and they ended up sponsoring me. Um, mm-hmm. And then the CEO moved me up into the product development department, yeah. um, which I knew a lot about supplements, but I didn't know the process, the operational process to get that yeah. going. So that was a little bit of a learning curve to get that in place. But that's what I ended up doing. And I've been contracted multiple times since I left there uh, for other companies to develop products and stuff. But the, all the C-level executives knew who I was yeah. because of what I was doing with bodybuilding. And they, and they spoke to me with respect. It was almost like they were talking up to me. And it, it was like the weirdest feeling. Yeah, like, you're yeah. the CEO. Like, I don't. Why are you asking me? Like, I'm just some yeah. peon. <laughs> right, right, but, right. But I yeah. gained their respect, and uh, actually, since I've left, um, three out of the five have contacted me about different business opportunities. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you see, there's a there's a lot of misconceptions around bodybuilding. Um, yeah, there are. Mm-hmm. Like bodybuilders are dumb. They're just dumb meatheads, you know, who just love some of them are. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, to be fair, but I think yeah. every, every walk of life is going to have some, some people who maybe are, aren't so high on the IQ spectrum, but, uh, sure. but you know, some of the most like articulate, like well thought out people I've met have been bodybuilders who like, they're really thoughtful because, I, and, and maybe I could just ask you, what are, what are some misconceptions people have about you when they maybe see you, see your physique, learn that you're a bodybuilder? You know, probably the 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 number one thing is everyone thinks I'm violent. Um, well, and, and maybe they don't say that outwardly, but they're like, Oh, don't hurt me. You know, like just, I mean, I'm like, do I look like a violent person? I mean, I guess maybe I look threatening to somebody, but right, right. Uh, I'm a super nice guy. I'm, I've actually never even been in a fist fight in my entire life. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's, I think people just, you know, they have that there. It's like a fear type of thing. Yeah. Um, kind of an imposing physique and they're like, Oh, don't, don't hurt me. I'll, whatever you say, just don't, don't hit me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, so that, that's probably the most, <laughs> most common, but there's, I mean, I hear it all. I mean, all people speak to me all the time. People feel like they can just come up and touch me, uh, whether I know oh, them or yeah. not. Um, right. I'll get all sorts of weird offhanded comments, uh, from people and strangers, airports, walking down the Las Vegas strip, you know, you'll hear all sorts of weird stuff. Uh, my kids and my, my wife are used to it now. Right. Kind of shut funny. it out. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, d- depending on, de- well, I mean, we're not, we're not necessarily a, a G rated show. So I mean, what, what's like the, any comments that stand out to you in particular that like caught you off guard or surprised you? Uh, you know, it's weird because I can always see it coming, you know, if not, not always, but you know, if I'm walking, like I remember one time we were actually in, uh, in La- staying Las Vegas yeah. in 2020 when like the, it was kind of abandoned. Like it was a weird, weird, eerie feeling walking down there. We were walking down the strip and there was only one other guy that I could see in sight. And he was right. up at a bus station and he was looking at me and my wife's like, Oh, this guy's getting ready to say something. Um, and I was like, Oh, great. Here we go. And, and it was like the dumbest com- 
<laughs> the only reason I remember is because of how dumb it was. But he's like, you're too big to be walking down the strip. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> yeah, literally. Like too big to be walking down the, the, the strip. Okay. I'll, what? I'll do better. Sorry. <laughs> like, but what should I be doing? Yeah. Like, okay. It's, I guess I should be smaller in order to walk down this large sidewalk. I don't know, but yeah, you'll hear weird different things all, all, all the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, I get way more attention from guys than I do from girls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if do people like grab your biceps or shoulders or yeah, they'll, they'll grab my chest sometimes too. Okay. Yeah. Like, Mostly so, arms, but yeah, they'll, they'll, they just feel like in guys that they will just grope me. I'm like, how is that's how you'd get hit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you want to get punched, like, you know, yeah. uh, that, that's so funny. Um, I think when I was traveling, um, I was, I was significantly heavier than I am now. And I, I still don't walk around with like a fitness model level physique or anything. I, I make no bones, but I used to be morbidly obese. So, but, uh, I got a lot of attention from the, the gay community. Uh, cause I, I really had the appearance of a bear, which I didn't know what that was at the time. Oh, okay. And I mean, and I, you know, it was never really an issue for me. I mean, I, I have gay friends and whatnot, but, uh, uh, sometimes they'd have to remind some of their friends to be like, no, no, like hands off. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I, it was just, I found it ironic, I guess, that I, you know, went from like, you know, trying to, you know, being pursued by girls when I was like fit and athletic in, in my younger years to uh, sort of getting a lot of attention from, from men. And I was like, oh, yeah. this is different. Well, you know, my attention, they're straight. At least yeah. As far as I know, I, I get attention from straight guys. They're, and it, uh, somebody put it this way, and it seems like it was from a comedy routine at some point, but. They say like if they see a muscular guy walking into a bar, they will push their girlfriends out of the way, like pushing against their face to come and talk to that person. You know, it's like they want to go talk like, oh, dude, how much do you bench? Or or they want to fight. Right, you, right, right. You know? Yeah. Um, I want to prove but, my alpha status or or yeah. I, I want to figure out like something from you. Yeah. 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 It's but I, I mean, you'll, it's not like I don't get some from girls, but they're yeah. maybe I'm just oblivious and I don't see it. But the guys are pretty dumb about it. And, and they're just very again like they don't feel like they need to filter themselves yeah there's like little, little in the way of subtlety or nuance there, but there's just this yeah. assumption maybe even around like bodybuilders that like i don't know y'all slap each other's pecs and glutes in like the locker room or something <laughs> like that <laughs> i never did that i don't know if, i mean I'm, that probably happens but that's not something i did yeah yeah, yeah. well again there's a stereotypical images you know like uh but it, it is swallowing raw eggs and stuff yeah i never did yeah that. yeah <laughs> straight you know crack the egg and don't even don't even like put it in a glass just like open the shell and pour it down your mouth yeah, like I, i'd throw up <laughs> yeah yeah there's just a lot about that that i'm just not not that comfortable with like you know salmonella and <laughs> among other things yeah yeah, yeah there's that too. so <laughs> so along the way um the decision is made for you you have to you have to like form this bodybuilding company or, or, or training company i guess and and yeah. do you focus on people who want to develop their physique like in a, in a bodybuilding sense or because your company's called is it later later lifestyle it is. Yeah. So initially that is who we focused on. Cause that's what we knew best. Right. Yeah. And it was interesting, um, to see our evolution and like just thinking back to what we were doing. I remember when we first started getting non bodybuilders, non yeah. basically just people are trying to get fit. And yeah. it seems like our methods were not working as well Yeah. to the extent that I, I really doubted my ability to help people. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. These people aren't making any progress. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Maybe if they're not as fit, it doesn't work. Like I, I, I was having all sorts of weird doubts going on in my mind. And really what it came down to is that they just, they were more human than someone that would just was robotic. Right, right. A meal plan as a bodybuilder does. Yeah. 
So um, it forced me to to understand people quite a bit more. Because I mean, even when we first started, my wife was way more extroverted. I was very introverted. Yeah. We met with people in person, and we were both we did it together. And she did all the talking. Yeah, I was just there on the computer taking notes. Okay, and yeah. that that kind of shifted, and and uh, and now I can't shut up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, we focus a lot more on lifestyle and sustainability, but we kind of had to learn the hard way. I mean, as, as a bodybuilder, I, I was very, I have a very OCD personality, which is probably a good thing for bodybuilding, but yeah, yeah. Um, I just held on too tight. And um, my first two years of bodybuilding, I probably went honestly about two years without doing anything outside of the meal plan. So without, without a cheat meal people like right call. right yeah yeah that, that's uh, interesting even to think about yeah, yeah. And, uh, and most people i guess they, they kind of want to live their life you know yeah, yeah. so what a and, weird and concept right? i i know right like oh, maybe i'd maybe I'd like to eat a piece of cake and not not be like racked with existential guilt over eating a slice of cake or something yeah yeah so, or you know not eating cold fish and rice on christmas morning as, as i did a couple of christmases <laughs> that's that's fu- it's it's kind of funny looking back and so yeah. and, and there's probably some assumptions just like maybe at mealtime or or like thinking about again people might say or comment just like uh oh you probably never eat that or you know i shouldn't eat this in front of you or yeah uh, oh yeah you hear it all um actually one story i like to because i actually i i very much a fan of donuts. I love donuts. In fact, I help yeah. a, a good buddy of mine put on a huge donut festival here in the state um, every spring. Awesome. But um, when I was working in the corporate world and I had that job, every Friday they would bring in this massive amount, like, I don't know, six or seven or eight dozen donuts of the fanciest place. This It was the, the secretary that worked for the VP there just tried to outdo himself every week. Yeah, And of course, the table that they would set this on was right next to my cubicle, like literally right <laughs> next to it. I was the closest person to the donuts every week. Yeah. And I could never eat them because I was always getting ready. Yeah. And and I remember like, you know, I would get crap from people. They, they got used to it after a while. And I remember the, the one time that I did actually partake and it was after I had competed, everyone freaked out. Like, whoa, whoa no, Jeff, don't, don't you don't have to do it. Don't worry. Like they were trying to like help me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, don't, don't eat don't, it. It's don't. not worth it. Like, yeah. And I'm like, no, guys, it's okay. I swear. Um, but I, you know, I look back at that and, and kind of laugh and I shake my head because I could have eaten them. And, and that's what I try to teach people and show people now is that they can eat the things that they love on occasion. Don't eat them every yeah. day. You don't really, yeah. you know, live but, on a diet of donuts. I think but, what, I, what I hear it said, it's not really my quote, but it's like, you can eat anything you want. You just can't eat everything you want if you want to be healthy. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. I, 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 I think, like that. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, uh, barring obviously like food allergies and, and, and things like that, you know, and or, digestive health and stuff. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. For sure. And I mean, I think about like, uh, you know, I struggle as a binge eating food addict for many years. And so there were certain, I call it don't run on a sprained ankle. So for me, certain foods had been trigger foods. And it's like, right. it was easier for me to avoid it while I was ultimately actually healing my relationship with myself, um, mm-hmm. before healing my relationship with food, you know, yeah. th- there's things like that because I, I, I think there's, it's interesting that watching the pendulum swings that take place in the industry from like, like super hardcore restriction, like, you know, cut out this or cut out this or cut out this, this is the latest nutritional poison to just eat whatever you want and love yourself. And it's like, Oh, I'm not so sure about that one either. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. And like you said, the pendulum, it's going from one extreme to the other extreme. Neither one of them is probably right. Right. a, A cover model eating a cake straight off the platter, like with a fork or with a fist, you know, who is morbidly obese, this isn't a, this isn't a denigration of individual character, but w- 
basic biology makes it abundantly clear that being in that state of health will dramatically shorten your lifespan and dramatically increase your risk of certain health conditions. Like there isn't, yeah. you, you could try to argue, like trying try to argue with biology is like yeah. trying to punch the wind, you know? And some people do if that, if that's yeah. their platform, if that's their, you know, their agenda, I've seen it all the time. Um, yeah. Like healthy at every size. I'm like, ah, you're pushing your luck there. If you try to do that. Yeah. There are, it does. It, does it exist with some? Probably but it'll eventually catch up to you. Yeah. So do you think like bodybuilding is something that most people should pursue if they want to be healthy? Not at all. Interesting. Yeah. Most people should never go near it. Right. In fact, I I posted about this this morning. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Why is that? Well, it's, uh, it's extreme. I I think what people see is they see the end result. They see the, the stage pictures and, and it's a desirable looking physique. They're like, Oh my gosh, that girl looks amazing. That guy looks amazing. I want to look like that. Cool. They go and find a coach that will say yes to them. And, and so they, they jump right into the extreme rigors of a contest prep, which is, and sometimes spending a couple hours a day in a gym and eating very little and getting your body fat down to extremely low, like single digit body fat percentages and uh they get on stage and face the consequences after Um, but it's most of the time it's it's just not right for most people so like if somebody approaches me they say jeff i want to compete i say okay cool let's talk about it i want you to go into this eyes wide open knowing exactly what you're getting into but before you even do that i need to make sure that you have a good relationship with food you have a good healthy body image that you have the lifestyle established and that you're within range of making this possible within a reasonable amount, amount of time if none of those things are true, then that's what we need to focus on first. And if we mm. get, if we go start there, get the lifestyle established and like, yeah, I'm, I'm a person that works out. I eat, I make right decisions with my food. I, I don't binge when given the opportunity, if the food's placed in front of me, if that's the case and your hormones are looking good, then, then we can consider um, taking things to that next level. Uh, even then things can go South, but, yeah. Um, yeah. but it's just, is it for most people? It's, for very, very, very few people on this planet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but now you're coaching company with later lifestyle. Is there any emphasis or do you take on bodybuilders or is it now focused on the general population or is there two streams? There's, there's two streams. So we have the later lifestyle uh, side of things and then the later elite. Um, okay. Now there's crossover all the time. People will go for back sure. and forth, but um, cause again, we do focus on the lifestyle side of things, but the elite side of things makes up less than 20% of our overall client base. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so w- would a lot of your clients be then like se- seeking weight loss or w- what do you think is attracting yeah. them? Yeah. So, um, you know, just get in better shape and we don't get a ton of, uh, quote unquote beginners. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's hard way. It's hard to even say that because, but I guess the way, best way to classify that would be, I don't get somebody that's like very, very overweight most yeah. of the time. Um, it's just, you know, someone with like a quote unquote mom bod or dad bod and they're trying to, you know, yeah. level up and yeah. that's, that's who we often work for work with. Um, but we, we work with all sorts, but that's kind of our target. Yeah. So you, you've spent a lot of time in the industry. What do you feel like is, is, you know, why are we wrestling so much in our society with being obese and, and overweight and and why are a lot of the solutions that we're putting forward, I guess, as a society, like not working? 
Well, there's definitely not one reason. There's a bunch, but um, the fitness industry isn't doing anything to help anybody as far as what I can see. And I'm, I'm yeah. very much, uh, I have a lot of uh, negativity towards the industry itself, honestly, and, and I'm not quiet about it. Yeah. Uh, but you look at most of the solutions out there, uh, air quotes, it's, uh, they're not solutions at all. They're just extremes. Uh, you know, like one of the most popular diets in the world, I don't know if this is number one anymore, but keto yeah. um, has you cut out carbs completely. Are you going to do that for the rest of your life? Probably not. Yeah. Is that a way to live? Maybe some people consider it to be like, but they call it a keto lifestyle. Actually, that was what my post was today to call a bodybuilding a lifestyle. It's not a lifestyle. It's a series yeah. of cuts and bulks and that's all it is. It's very extreme. <laughs> yeah. But, but keto, the ketogenic diet is one of the most strict diets on the face of this earth in, in our history. Yeah. It's super popular. Yeah. You look at the success rate. It's, it's not a success rate. It's a failure rate. Most people don't come out of that in the after, after long run, yeah. long-term five years down the road. Have they gained it all back? Almost every single one of them have. And they're yeah. worse off because of it. The after, after is like the key part because you can, and we, I think we both understand the biology of why you yeah. would see some short-term success. I mean, course, I think yeah. anybody who removes basically the, the majority of available junk food from your diet compared yeah. to what you maybe would have been eating previously. Yes, that's an improvement. But then mm -hmm. when you can no longer do this extreme restriction, what do you, there, and there's no foundation in place, what do you, what do you go back to? Right. And, and that extreme restriction hurts your relationship with food because yeah. all of a sudden you're taught that carbs are bad. Carbs are evil. Anytime you eat carbs, you're a bad person and you're going to get fat. Yeah. And so what, what do people do if they have a nibble of their, their kids, mac and cheese? They're like, well, might as well order pizza and binge the rest of the night. Right. Yeah. What, Cause that's I'm what out happens. Of ketosis. Yeah. 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 So what do, you, what do you feel like is like sort of a key element in, in creating like for people to create long-term weight loss? Cause we, you know, we, uh, we live in a world that's essentially engineered to make us obese. We've got sedentary, we've got yeah. you know, hyper processed, hyper palatable manufactured foods that are abundantly available. Like yeah. from a biological standpoint, we have got a famine biology living in a feast world. Yeah. And yeah, we're not facing famine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's our evolution. Right. I mean, that's, that's why we store body fat for, for times of famine. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, that's goes back to caveman days. Yeah. I joke, but I'm still, still fairly reasonably famine resilient. So <laughs> well, that's, you know, it's that long-term energy storage right there, you know, it keeps yeah. us alive. If you have more body fat, those, those are the, I mean, you, you go back to like olden days and, and the people that were overweight were considered to be the, the wealthy and healthy people rather right, than yeah. the skinny people. You know? Of course, lifespans were probably short, short enough that like heart <laughs> disease wasn't getting yet. Right. You know, <laughs> life expectancy of 35 years. Yeah. Back then. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I think, um, you know, when you look at, uh, what, what are the keys to making this last, it has to be sustainable and you have to be able to live life and, and life is going to come with all sorts of variables and, and unexpected challenges and, you know, deaths in the family and vacations and working late night and, you know, relationship issues. And, and that with that comes the food element and the activity element. And, and I think so many people are, as you said, the way society is, is we're very sedentary. Uh, yeah. even, you know, with the onset of remotes for TVs. I mean, yeah. you used to have to get up to go and change the knob, you know, flip yeah, the knob right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to parking, we, everyone waits 20 minutes to park in a space that's, you know, maybe five stalls closer than where you would be because you don't want to oh, walk. Yeah. That's crazy. Know? Like the parking lot stuff. I'm like, I'll just take yeah. the furthest spot away. There's never any issues opening my doors. And you don't have to get walk. door dings. And, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. That's just society. It's kind of groomed us to be sedentary, lazy, and um, 
and entitled a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. And so we really, we really have to swim against the tide to be healthy. You're, you're, you know, it's interesting. You're, you're essentially an outlier if you are healthy at this point. Yeah. Yeah, you are. You're the weird one. If you're making the right choices with food Yeah, and, and you're, you're common, you're, you're, you're going with the flow. If you're the one eating the big plate of nachos and a burger. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Not that I don't like those things. Those are fantastic, but you can right, eat them right. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not, not if, not if like living healthy is your goal. And so as we, as right. we touch on it's, it's, it's keeping it sustainable. So, um, well, Jeff, it, you've got a great story. There's, there's so many just interesting elements and, and lots that we could have like dove into, but, uh, we're yeah. running short on time, but, uh, you know, fr- from this, from your, your own journey and kind of the conversation we've had today, if you were to give people kind of like one, one takeaway nugget, uh, what would you, what would you share with people? You know, I, I get asked this question uh, a bunch when I, when I get on podcasts and it's always the same thing. The answer is yep. always the same. And it's, it's, it basically just comes down to perseverance, you know, with, with my own personal story of, of turning, turning pro as a bodybuilder. The only reason I did is because I didn't give up. Right. And cause I, I'm not some genetically blessed specimen. It took me 40 competitions, nine pro qualifiers to finally turn pro. It's a very, right. very difficult thing. But the only reason I did is because I just didn't give up and I kept pushing myself and challenging myself. And, and so, you know, whatever battles we are facing in life, you're going to, you're almost guaranteeing the outcome that you want if you don't give up. But too often I we do, it. we give up, we give up, we give up and you're guaranteeing failure when you give up and you're yeah. guaranteeing success if you don't. Yeah. So you have to choose your guarantee. I love that. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for for being on today. It's really been a pleasure chatting with you and I look forward to chatting with you again sometime. Yeah, I would enjoy that. We can get into a lot of of interesting topics, I'm sure. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into Between the Before and After. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review because that helps this podcast to reach and inspire more people. I love exploring the stories that take place between the before and after, the powerful experiences that shape who we become, and I love human potential. I love the possibilities that lie within us. So whatever you may be up against, I hope these stories inspire you because if you're still here, your story's not done yet, so keep moving forward.